Business Money and Magic is the podcast for open-minded entrepreneurs who want to grow their business and achieve their goals through strategy, proven tips and tricks, mindfulness, and of course, magic. This podcast delves into the intersection of business, money, and magic with some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking for fresh insights or just starting out on your entrepreneurial journey, this is the podcast for you. Welcome, folks, to the podcast. Welcome to episode one. I'm really excited to finally dig into this podcast and these episodes. I've been thinking on this podcast, what it will be, what it will grow into, the guests we are going to have on for some months now. So it feels very exciting that it is finally here. I've been taping episodes for this podcast for about two months, I would say now, and oof, I'm very excited to share with you all the interviews I've been having with some very inspiring, incredible entrepreneurs. I will be sharing more about those interviews as well as what to expect on this podcast momentarily. But first, of course, I need to introduce myself. Hi, I'm Lucy. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have launched now four companies over nine years, and I'm also an environmentalist. I'm a saxophone player. I play in a disco funk band, which is a lot of fun. That's what I do for fun. And I'm also a witch. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my little corner here, uh, Business, Money, and Magic. And I also, in addition to being a serial entrepreneur myself, um, I've been building businesses for nine years, and throughout the time I've had the privilege to coach and teach over 300 entrepreneurs all over the world how to start their business, how to grow it, how to get investment, how to get access to funding, whether that's through grants or pitch competitions. I'm also a pitch coach. Um, And last year, for example, I was very lucky that I got to travel to Bosnia and Herzegovina, specifically in Sarajevo, for a pitch competition after mentoring a group of tech entrepreneurs all across the Western Balkans, and I got to be there for their final pitch competition, which was so much fun. So yeah, I mean, working in the world of startups, specifically startups that are making the world a better place, so otherwise known as impact startups, that is my world. That's the world I've been working in for a number of years now. And this world of blending business with magic. This is what I'm really excited to to do in a pretty new way and and share my my own experiences of magic in business because I have been let me tell you. I grew up reading spell books. My mom she would take me to crystal shops when I was really young. She had a a celebration when I had my first moon cycle, where she gathered uh, women and their children who were my friends in our community and celebrated that. And she gave me this gorgeous crystal necklace with different crystals to symbolize my transition into womanhood, which 
oh my gosh, I lost at some point in my teenage years. How awful. But she actually made a new one for me, which I'm looking at right now as I tape this podcast and I love it and I wear it during rituals. So yeah, I, I grew up with this interest in witchy, esoteric spirituality. I remember reading once in a spell book that midnight was the most powerful hour to cast spells. And I I mean, I was young enough that I was able to read, but I wasn't old enough that I was staying up till midnight. And I remember saying to myself, I don't even think I've, I had an alarm. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to stay up till midnight so I can do spells. I don't think I ever made it till that hour because I was too young. But this has been a core part of my life for so many years. And I I also did countless school projects on witchcraft, the history of witches throughout grade school, high school, even into university. I did a project on witchcraft. And as I entered, you know, my late 20s, I felt really called to start doing my own moon circles, which I started to do before the pandemic and loved gathering women in my community around, we, we gathered around the, the full moon in that space to, you know, share stories, discuss our own goals, as well as just connect and support one another, whatever we were each going through, everyone was going through different things. And then the pandemic hit and, oh, we tried to do that on Zoom and we did, but of course this was near the beginning of the pandemic where everyone just doesn't know what's going on, what way is up, and it's chaos. And it also, it didn't, connecting on Zoom is not the same as connecting in person. And we all know this after having navigated that pandemic. So I then with a friend said, hey, what if we revive those circles and those gatherings, but make it very intentional so that that group is for entrepreneurs? Because, I mean, any woman of any professional background coming together is, is really powerful. Any humans, of course. But to have an intentional space every month to connect and share what we are going through, what we're struggling with, what our goals are, it's really impactful for everyone in that space to also be entrepreneurs because that journey has the highest highs, it has the lowest lows, and quite often, unless you've been through it, you don't totally appreciate what someone might be going through. You know, because it's not a nine to five where you're clocking in and clocking out. It's very different. And so we started a coven for entrepreneurs. And I think it's probably been a year and a half since we, maybe almost two years since that started. And it's so magical. We've got currently four women, including myself, in that group. And... Everyone has a business, very different businesses, and you're going to get to know these women. They're coming on the podcast. Actually, two of those episodes are already taped, and I cannot wait to share them. 
They have fantastic stories to share and such impactful businesses as well. But it was through that experience of looking at, okay, we're blending strategic business with esoteric, magical witchy practices that I personally really realized, okay, there's something here. There is something here because I'm not seeing a lot of people really blending those worlds in an intentional way. And that is how I started to get into this space that we're, we're in now, where I start to get excited about supporting other entrepreneurs in a coaching capacity, blending those two worlds. So yeah, that's how we got here. And I will share momentarily a very specific story about my own need for the practicalities of, yes, business strategy, but with the blend of esoteric magic. But first, I'd love to just share a little bit more about my own background in entrepreneurship, because I, I think I glossed over that kind of quickly. So I noted that I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been building businesses since I was 21. I'm 30 now. My first business, I didn't even mean to be an entrepreneur, and I think a lot of people might be able to relate to that. It was just born out of my own frustration and a need that I identified. So when I was in university, I went to university for environmental studies and anthropology. My, I genuinely thought my whole career was going to be as an environmentalist and activist. I'm still in that world in many ways, but... I was in university and I was working throughout university, throughout my, my entire undergrad. I went to the University of Toronto. Um, I live in Canada, in Toronto, born and raised. And I was working in restaurants and events throughout my undergrad. And I grew so frustrated with the amount of food waste I threw out every single day. Perfectly untouched food, perfectly good food. And anyone who's worked in the hospitality industry will likely be able to relate to that. And I was really sick and also not interested in being Lucy, the server that's running around telling everyone what to do. Saying, oh, you have to compost that, to recycle that. I mean, A, that's just not fun for me to be that annoying person that everyone gets frustrated with. I'll do it. But it's also... In, I, at the time, I just thought this is not going to generate the change that we need to be seeing in this industry. We need a humongous shift. Me running around telling people what to do is not going to, it's only going to take it so far. So that kind of snowballed into me starting my first business, Terrace, because I approached my manager and I said, hey, I have some ideas for some small changes you can make that are going to be hugely impactful between looking at your waste contract, to training staff on sustainability, to all these pieces that would come together to ultimately help address the problem. And he was supportive of it. So it started as a project at my workplace. And then I, at the time, I I wanted to have a co-founder, someone who, because I was making all this up. I mean, I, I knew the academics around the environmental impact of the negative environmental impact of food waste, but the intricacies of actually doing what was sustainability consulting, building a company, that was all new to me. Um, and I knew that I could do it, but I, I didn't have the know-how. 
So I, I found a co-founder and we, we started on this project together and then it just snowballed and we, we thought, okay, so I guess we should have a name. I guess we should incorporate. Like we were starting our first projects first and then realizing, oh, this is a company because nobody else is doing this in Canada at the time. It, we were the first company of its kind. And ultimately that business operated for about four years. This was before restaurant companies had like this was nine years ago this is before restaurant companies had directors of sustainability i think mcdonald's had just just um created a director of sustainability position this was very new for that market so yeah and and it went really well we grew and we worked closely with restaurants canada which is the leading voice for the hospitality industry in this country we actually took meetings with companies like mcdonald's and we did a couple projects that I'm still so proud of. We helped open restaurants. We trained all their staff on sustainability. We actually, one of my favorite projects was opening a theater. It was a theater and a restaurant in Toronto. That was super cool. We got to consult on their waste contract, train their staff, look at their packaging. And ultimately that business helped divert over 400,000 pounds of waste from landfill. And I loved it. But everyone wanted our help and no one wanted to pay for it. And that's because we were about five years too early for the market. So I made the decision to close that brand down, although I still do projects um, and trainings myself as Lucy, the entrepreneur, uh, Lucy, the environmentalist. Actually, I did one two weeks ago for one of Canada's biggest uh, shipment companies, Pure Leader, uh, who do, they do shipping. So I did a training for their whole corporate staff, which I loved. So I still am very much in that world, but I, I did close that business down. And it was an incredible learning experience. I realized I love I love entrepreneurship. I love impact entrepreneurship. And I'm extremely passionate about how business can be a tool for good. There are so many incredible innovative businesses that are solving social or environmental problems. And that that really lit that fire in me. It also, that journey brought about some incredible awards and accolades that also helped just give me legitimacy as an, as an individual, you know, cause I'm at the time I was a student in my early twenties. I don't, I didn't have an MBA and like, and I'm going to McDonald's and saying, let me consult for you. But having that business, yeah, gave me some street cred. Uh, I was named one of Canada's top 30 under 30 environmentalists uh, by Corporate Knights and also top 25 under 25 um, environmentalists in Canada twice, as well as I got an Emerging Leader Award. And this is not me trying to be all braggy, but that was the, I mean, that business, Terrace, was my MBA. It was my MBA. I learned a ton. I went through some incredible incubators to learn how to build a business. And it gave it helped me get that street cred. And then my second business uh, is a catering company that I operated as my partner. My partner worked for most of his professional life as a chef. He just switched over to, to construction, actually. Um, but that's a story for another time. And we had a catering company together. That was a lot of fun. And 
some of our biggest, like we had some pretty, pretty big clients. Like Flight Network was one of our clients. If you're in Canada, uh, you might be familiar with that company, huge company. It was a lot of fun. We operated that business for a couple of years, but ultimately we just thought, you know what? I don't really see us scaling a big catering company. Neither one of us wanted to do it forever. So we closed that down just kind of out of choice because it didn't align with us anymore, either one of us. Also, then the pandemic hit. So there's that. But actually, right before the pandemic hit, we also put an offer in to buy a restaurant. So we almost were restaurant owners. So that I guess that could have been the third business at the time. Um, but that didn't pan out. And thank goodness it didn't because the pandemic hit actually one month after we put an offer in to buy that restaurant. That, that actually, I think, might be a fantastic podcast episode, just the details of that story and what happened there. And then what ended up being my third and most recent business, other than this one, I'm currently talking to you through the lens of, um, which is coaching, but my third business was EarthPup. And also, I was still when i started that company now three and a half years ago so passionate about creating sizable shifts within our food industry to reduce the environmental impact of it because through terrace you know that sustainability consulting company I was still, I started that to address the food waste problem and I was telling all these other companies how they could reduce waste and I thought, you know what, I can do this myself as well. And so I had the idea to take leftover pulp from juicing companies um, because actually the manufacturing and production stage of the food supply chain is responsible for 47% of food waste in Canada. And I wanted to, that's the stuff that no one's talking about. You know, we talk about food waste in our fridges with the strawberries that have gone bad and that's important and we need to be talking about that. But that was the part that no one was talking about. It was the manufacturing production stage, all the stuff that happens before the products even get to the customer. And I wanted to create a change there. So I thought, okay. I also, I mean, I also grew up with dogs and I love dogs. And also the pet food industry at the time and still is absolutely booming and growing. And the profit margins are significantly better in that industry than it is in human food. So there was an intentional decision there. But I also thought there's not remotely enough sustainable options in the market for dog treats as someone who grew up with a dog and shopped for my dog, I didn't see it. I mean, I saw either I was buying 100% beef liver treats or I was buying vegan dog treats. There was not really an in-between there. And I didn't see anyone in the market really doing it the way I thought it needed to be done with regards to sustainability and impact. So I started my first business, or sorry, not first, I started my third business, uh, uh, EarthPup. I'm mixing them all up. But yeah, EarthPup, and that started three and a half years ago. This is taping in 2023 in May. And yeah, so I, I, I partnered up with juice companies. I took their pulp. I added chickpea flour and then either chicken or beef bone broth to it. Totally human-grade ingredients. 
and we started to sell them and they sold like hotcakes. We actually grew so quickly. We were in over 30 stores within the first couple of months. There was so much interest in our product. And we also used selling that product as an opportunity and as a tool to educate customers on food waste and not in the way that we're like, hey guys, we're feeding your dogs compost because that is not what we're doing. We're buying perfectly good, nutrient-dense, amazing ingredients from local businesses, stuff they would otherwise throw out, and we're creating a new revenue stream for those businesses. Um, Actually, I ran the numbers on it, and it it created a revenue stream of about an additional $50,000 a year that they are making, and turning it into an incredible product that, like, I would eat. And I did eat it. Actually, I thought many times that repackaging it as like a keto or paleo product for humans because it was totally human grade. So that was, yeah, my third official business and we grew and then the pandemic hit and throughout this podcast and these episodes, I will share a number of stories around my experiences building Earth Pup, the good, the bad and the ugly Um, I, I really think, I mean, I know for me, when I was building businesses, I wanted to hear more stories from people of when things didn't work out. We've got so many stories available to us around like the big, sexy, I hit 7 million in revenue and that's amazing. And you'll be hearing those stories in this podcast. Let me like, don't get me wrong. We're going to be sharing those exciting stories and how people got there, but we're also going to be getting into the stories around when certain projects didn't work out and the lessons learned there. So, yeah, and for Earth Pup, we were growing really quickly, then the pandemic hit, and I mean, that turned everyone's world upside down, let alone a company that manages supply chains, and not just regular supply chains, but we were building first-of-their-kind supply chains in Canada. No, kind of like how Terrace was a first-of-its-kind in Canada, so was Earth Pup. There was no one in the pet food space doing what we were doing taking ingredients that are usually thrown out that are perfectly good and turning them into something better and something healthy and something natural for dogs or pets in general. No one was doing that. And building first of their kind supply chains brings about its own headaches. Uh, doesn't mean it wasn't worth it or impactful, but it's, it's really hard. And we, but we stuck through it and with Earth Pop, we, we applied to grants, we got access to funding to grow the company, and things were going really well, as hard as it was during the pandemic, but things were going well. We actually became Canada's first plastic negative pet brand, meaning we rescued, for every bag of dog treats sold, so for every pouch sold, the equivalent of two pouches worth of plastic was actually removed from the environment and recycled. So that was a way that we could reduce the impact that we were having from a packaging perspective. Um, I actually have a lot more to say on that topic, but once again, I think that might be another episode around the intricacies of packaging and environmental impact when it comes to any business. But So we were the first company of its kind to become plastic negative in Canada, first pet brand. And about a year ago, so January 2022, 
we realized, so the company's growing, we've got manufacturers, we're, we're scaling, we've got gorgeous new packaging that was so well received. I'm still so proud of it. Uh, I, I'm obsessed with the packaging. I, it was so much work and like 11 different versions to get there, but we worked with the most amazing designer. Shout out to Brett Lair. Work with him on anything design. I can't recommend him highly enough or enough. And January 2022 hit. And I'm going to share with you the story of how I got to be here today speaking to you through this microphone. It's January 2022, and we learn that we can't trust our manufacturer. We learn that because we do our first official production run with them. At this point, we've invested probably about $15,000 into being production ready with them. Ready to produce lots of treats, and this is where we have surpassed the level where we can be making treats in our kitchen ourselves. We are well beyond that. We're getting purchase orders for hundreds and hundreds of units, not yet thousands, but we were we were very close to that. It was just a case of when we were ready to do that. And after realizing we couldn't trust our manufacturer, and let me tell you, like I not only realized that we couldn't trust them, but I couldn't even get, even get a hold of them. They wasted 50 to 60% of our production run, which is obscene. That's thousands of dollars wasted. They What, what, what had happened was a member of their staff had intentionally broken all of our dog treats into tiny little pieces so that we couldn't sell them. Like, insane. And... And we couldn't believe it because contractually, you know, anything above 2% wastage, they're liable for. And it wasn't even about the wastage in this particular production run and arguing with them around that contract detail. It was more so about, oh my God, like we can't work with them again. Holy shit. We need to find someone else to work with and ASAP because it takes months sometimes to R&D a new recipe. And we're working with very specific and unique ingredients like juice pulp. And I spent three months trying to find a new manufacturer, trying to find someone new in Canada. And basically everyone during the pandemic decided they wanted to start a food business. So manufacturers were either in Canada, like they either didn't exist near me or they weren't taking on clients or they didn't have the equipment I needed. So I couldn't find anyone. And I am stressing out. I am, oh, not only am I stressing out about this, we're like, how the hell are we going to make our products? But also, we were about to run out of money. At that time, I had a full-time employee who was my sister. Uh, We loved working together, and she helped to take Earth Pup really to the next level. And we're about, like, I've got staff i got to pay. I've got bills. I've got overhead. I've got inventory that I can't sell. What the, uh, like, what am I going to do? And I, we were about to run out of cash. I did not know what I was going to do. And this was having a big impact on my health. I can like, I was getting pains in my chest. I was going to some of the darkest places mentally I have ever been in my life as an adult, because I, I thought, like, like I don't know what I'm going to do. I've, I, you know, and when I say run out of money, I mean also we had a line of credit. Like, we were about to max out our line of credit. So we were going into more and more debt and run out just access to capital that we needed. 
So I didn't know how I was going to turn it around. And I also, I'm like, I don't want to fire my sister. Like, what the, like, what is she going to do? That's awful. We're, and this was when things were still really, you know, pretty much in lockdown with the pandemic. And at the time I turned to my business advisors because I had some incredible advisors and an amazing support system. And they did not know. Like I told them all the nitty gritty details of like which manufacturers I had options with, my access to to funding. We explored every creative solution. And I want to note that also one of those advisors, she had a company that was about to hit 50 million in revenue that was also a dog treat company. And they were also using upcycled ingredients or like food that would usually usually be thrown out basically exactly what I was doing except she had access like she had raised about 11 million dollars in investment and she was operating at a much higher she she was further down the road than me but she knew in detail exactly what I was dealing with because she had been there and we this amazing person we were on the phone for a number of hours deep diving into all the possible creative solutions but there isn't as much available in Canada as there is in the United States where she is. Like she had like three manufacturers and I couldn't find one. And even after sharing with her everything that I did, even she was like, Oh my God, I don't know. Um, and so after exhausting all of my options with the business advisors, I, I had access to who basically all were like, I don't know. I then turned to, I was like, holy shit, like I need something. I need something here because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get myself out of this hole. Um, I turned to spiritual guides or spiritual teachers and I said, okay, how can I, I remember I asked, I asked, how do I weave magic back into my business? Because the magic was there. When we first started, we were growing quickly. We had, were having incredible luck. We were getting every single grant I was applying to, every pitch competition we were winning. I think actually statistically, I I got 90% of the funding I went after. And I asked, how do I weave, I asked these spiritual teachers, how do I weave magic back into my business? And I remember they said to me word for word, set an intention at the beginning of your day. Set an intention at the beginning of your day. And that's all well and good. And I appreciate that, but oh my God, I was drowning at the time. I was having, like I was saying earlier, these very dark thoughts. I'm looking down the barrel end of having to fire my sister from her full-time job with when she's got, like, she doesn't have another job lined up. I didn't need an intention. I needed like a, a revival, a rebirth, an exorcism. Like, I don't know what, I need something. And so I decided to turn inward because I wasn't really getting the guidance or answers that I felt I needed. And I turned inward. I reframed. I tried to I really look deeply at why is this a positive thing? And I did so, so many different practices between meditation and journaling and also j- channeled journaling where you just sit, you don't, you just write out whatever comes to you. And it could be someone could be someone speaking through you. It could be whatever it is, but channel journaling. I did that. I did a lot of movement being in my body. Um, that includes also classes with misfit studio, shout out to Amber 
Jay there. She's incredible classes online and in person. And that, I mean, that in and of itself is a spiritual experience. I've cried so many times in those classes. Um, and, and I mean that in a really positive way, They're, they shift you. So through doing meditation and journaling, even like shaking your body, like, you know, if, when an animal gets nervous, even that and letting that, and like that nervous energy move through you as well as dancing and just turning inward to myself for answers through meditation it really, it shifted my mindset is what I'm getting at doing these, what is essentially mindfulness practices. And then also doing my own spell work. I love personally doing candle magic, using candles as a way to set my intention, bring about and shift, bring about something new. Um, and through meditation, also connecting with my ancestors and my guides through all of these different practices. And I'll share more about that in more detail, uh, as well in this space. I turned the whole thing around. I turned the whole thing around. And all of that was really rooted in how I shifted my mindset. That's the biggest one. How my mindset changed. And then also the different guidance that I I, I received. The different ways of looking at the problems I was having. And my sister did end up leaving her job. She actually fired herself. <laughs> um, she just said, look, like this, it, do this without me. And within weeks, she had a job that was also at another company dressing food waste, doing something bigger and better. And so she was all set up. She had a new job, which was great. And after turning things around with Earth Pup, it doesn't mean I got a manufacturer overnight the next day, but I figured out, okay, there are still creative opportunities here. There are still creative solutions. And what I did was I came up with an idea for a sister brand. I came up with an idea for a new product line that was a first of its kind in the world. And I also, and like I had investors who said to me, Hey, I want to write you a check after hearing about these new concepts. And guess what? They wouldn't require a manufacturer because I didn't have a manufacturer available to me. I figured out something better, which was a product line that wouldn't even need one. It would need a, just a co-packer, just someone to put the products together into a pouch. Uh, that's not launched yet, but um, it you might see it on the market in the next couple of years because I'm working on selling that brand. But Regardless, I turned it around. I got the company out of debt. I had investors wanting to invest in me, saying, can I write you a check? And then I had four potential buyers interested in buying all of it. Everything I had built and was going to build. I turned the whole thing around. And it was just through my own experiences navigating that and realizing, oh my gosh, there is a need here because I needed it. I needed somewhere or someone who understood the intricacies of what it means to build a business in a strategic way, like all the stuff that comes with that, um, but who also understood the witchy esoteric spiritual lens and bringing those worlds together, bringing those worlds together to ultimately, because for me, I was drowning 
I was absolutely drowning and it was a very, very hard time. And moving through some of those practices, those, those reframes that I had, um, and changing my mindset and ultimately bringing back faith. I mean, it saved me mentally. It significantly shifted my health and the health issues I was having because like I said, I was having some chest pains. I was having a lot of stress related illness. Um, and it shifted that and it saved my business. It brought me back. And this is how I came to realize, wow, I want to support other entrepreneurs who are on their journey to blend those worlds between the strategic business, coaching, the planning, the KPIs, all that important stuff with the magic, the mindfulness, the mindset, the intention setting, and ultimately the faith. Because I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I connect with and have connected with who are burnt out, who are drowning, who are going through exactly what I went through. And their business is going to do no good for the world if they are burnt out and have to close it down. And that's part of my my own mission, to help people start, grow, scale, thriving, impactful businesses, magical businesses that are making the world a better place, and they are aligned with that mission, and they're feeling amazing while doing it. So that is my why. That is why we are starting this podcast, to share stories, to share the experiences of other entrepreneurs who have been through it, other entrepreneurs that are building incredible businesses and also achieving those gorgeous, big, lofty, hairy goals through magic, through faith, through mindfulness, through embodiment, and yeah, how they did it. And also the times where, yeah, it didn't totally work out how they expected and the lessons learned there. What were the opportunities that were presented? when it didn't work out because rejection is protection and redirection and I firmly believe in that so that's what you can expect here on this podcast business money and magic that's what it's about we'll be talking about all things business money as well revenue in addition to profit um, and how people hit those goals with also the accompaniment of magic and also what magic means to them because it means different things to different people and I think that's what's so beautiful about it. So I would love for you to tune in every week as we dive into some of those stories. You can also expect uh, interviews. We'll have incredible guests here as well as some solo episodes with myself and where I'll share stories from my own experiences Um, in addition to my own tips and tricks. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in and welcome to my world. I can't wait to see how this this podcast grows. And these are the things that I I spend a lot of time talking about with my friends anyways. So I'm really excited to, to share this with the world. And I hope it resonates and I hope it's helpful. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe uh, and turn on notifications. Please also rate this podcast. I would deeply, greatly appreciate it. 
and also reach out to me on Instagram at the Lucy Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N. Please feel free to DM me there. I um, obviously read all messages because I would love to hear also any feedback you have on these episodes as well as any suggestions for episodes. Who should I have on? Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you have a wonderful, magical day.